play. Okay. When the last time I forgot how to start the podcast? Microphones up. <laughs> Hello and welcome to Three Friends in a Book. My name is Holly, and I'm joined by my friends, not in alphabetical order. Janine first. <laughs> Last time I did alphabetical order, and y'all laughed at me. So I'm doing not alphabetical order. Hey, Janine, hi. I'm Caroline. What's up? What's up? What have y'all been doing? It's summertime. I haven't seen you guys in a while. Although, you know, yay for the pod, because we used to go whole summers and never see each other. Yeah. So. And we really didn't do, we had the pod last summer, but we really didn't do much with it. So when I asked if you guys could pod this week, and y'all said yes, I was super excited. It's um, it's a good sisterhood we have here. It is. <laughs> it's a good it's sisterhood. True. It is. Um, all right. So just to remind everybody what we do around here. We read books. We love them so much. And I feel like the past three, at least, we've read, I've just really loved a lot. And y'all have picked them, so I appreciate that. <laughs> um, I feel like when I pick a book sometimes, y'all are like, oh, God. That's not <laughs> true. It's not. Um, so for this one, we read The Female Persuasion by Meg Wolitzer. Have you guys ever read anything by her? I have not. I read The Interestings. I think I had the uncouplings on my list for a while, and I never read it. But so this is my first book that I read by, by her. Um, so Meg Wolitzer. So that's the book that we read. So we read these books, and then we have conversations about them. Um, and we like to keep in mind what inspires us. <clears throat> excuse me for this podcast is the quote by Hannah Arendt that says, "The things of the world become more human for us only when we can discuss them with our fellows, our fellow females." We humanize what is going on in the world and in ourselves only by speaking of it. And in the course of speaking of it, we learn to be human. So yeah, so that is the quote that we like to take a look at and think about as we are reading these books and why we get together and talk about them. So The Female Persuasion by Meg Wolitzer. So let's just do first impressions, y'all. What did y'all think? Who wants to go first? Alphabetical order. Oh, that's me. (laughs) I enjoyed it. I read it really quickly. It's a, you know, it's a lo- long book. It's a long, one of the longer ones we've read in a while. And um, overall, I enjoyed it very much. Found myself wanting to pick it up, finding time to, you know, to pick it up during the day instead of doing something else. <laughs> and um, enjoyed the experience of reading it. There are moments that really made me angry or shocked yeah. me or it felt very, the character's felt very familiar i did mm-hmm. you know mm-hmm. i agree janine you're next alphabetically oh, oh, right. oh, oh a b c D, you've been holding that in your pocket G, um H. <laughs> like caroline yes this was a book that i wanted to read and i wanted to pick it up i thought the characters were relatable i thought they were very real but also i felt a couple of times in the book, a little afraid for the characters, kind of like well, how I felt when we read An American Marriage, and I wanted to pick it up, but then I also, like, I just kept waiting for the ball to drop, and I wasn't sure what it was going to be, and what actually ended up happening it was not at all what I anticipated, because I thought it would, I mean, technically it did happen to a main character, Cordy, but, um, and it impacted everybody, but I thought something bad was going to happen with either Cordy or Greer, 
in the end to them personally. I guess it did happen to them, but you know what I mean. Yeah. Um, and so, yeah, I, I, it was a book that I thought about and look forward to picking up every every night. Yeah. yeah. I would agree with everything um, both of you said. I uh, did find, um, though, that I got a little bored towards the end of the book. Um, the beginning of the book, I was so interested in the characters. Yeah. I really liked Greer. I thought she was a um, funny little curious, quiet kid dealing with her stoner parents, <laughs> trying to go to college. And and I even liked her foibles. Like, she gets to college, and she's um, basically telling everyone else at Ryland College that, you know, I can't believe I have to be in this oh, yeah. crap college <laughs> where all of you are, <laughs> you know. So so she's, she's definitely imperfect at the beginning, but as it goes on and on, um, I found by the end that her arc wasn't as big, maybe, or as interesting as I, I had hoped it would be. Yeah. Huh. I don't know. I liked her. I liked, I liked her, her arc. I mean, yes, it, it was tied up very neatly in the end. Like in the end, again, spoilers, we spoiled the book around here. So if you haven't read it, pause, go read it. <laughs> It's big, but it's awesome. Um, yeah, it did end a little bit too neatly in the end. That in the end, she ends up with Corey. They have a kid. She writes a book. She finds her outside voice and writes about it. Um, but it was heartwarming, too. I don't know. Well, and in the way that it's one of the things that the book's about is about female relationships. Yeah. And um, specifically mentorships and relationships between in this case, you know, an older feminist to what was she was like, not quite a Gloria Steinem, but she was a... Yeah. It's like she's like a couple a, steps below. Yes. Something <laughs> like, yes. But, but a pretty well-known, mm-hmm. you know, feminist. feminist and this young... Publisher. Woman who at the beginning of the novel is um, groped at a party by yeah. a drunk boy. Um, a serial groper. Well, yeah, mm-hmm. he was, wasn't he? And... Um, but I, I I thought that was a, just a really interesting opening, um, and maybe something a lot of a lot of readers can relate to. But this but this relationship between, uh, you know, I don't know, is Greer like a new feminist? Is is or is she? You know, is she? Um, is it just a cycle kind of thing? Right, like faith mm-hmm. has inspired this woman who at the end she's gonna take the babysitter the babysitter right mm-hmm. that's going to be yeah. and, and she's going to do the same thing for this babysitter right that faith did for her yeah. mm-hmm. so there's this cool kind of cycle thing happening that it, it you know it takes that as women we we have to nurture one another we have to try to see um this the special thing in, in other women and help them find a way to yeah to use that or something you know she i just looked at an interview just a, a minute ago and it said that and that was a big part of our book is how feminine, fem, feminism is passed down through generations or how it's not. Mm. Um, because you also had, remember the girl she went to Vegas with, Anne? Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. Remember her, her, her story? Um, and how she had an abortion and then never spoke about it and became this super Republican, conservative, anti-abortion senator. Yeah, that's and right. And then her daughter... Wasn't her daughter going to also run for maybe a high, a high office, too? Mm-hmm. It was going to take her seat, I think. Yeah. So, a, like you know, a, a contrast between, you know, Faith's and Greer's arc and then 
Is it Anne or Annie? I don't remember. I, they, I think it was either. Annie, and then and then maybe she went by Anne l- later on. But just how, you know, people are impacted in different what what happens to people and how they how and what path they take, coming from the same spot. How Faith and Anne were coming from the same spot, and how their paths just completely diverged. Well, and trauma, right? So how trauma? Yeah. Because what Greer, the what happened at the party for Greer was traumatic. Mm-hmm. This abortion that her friend had was traumatic. These how these traumas propel women, yeah, often mm-hmm. in in really you know female topics, female issues. But yeah. trauma within those really propels women in such different directions, opposing mm-hmm. directions. Yeah. Um, that's interesting. Cool. Um, or cool in, choice. And faith. Well, and faith too, because faith could have easily done something about that. Right, I think we're confusing too. It was Faith's story. Yeah, you said Greer. I said Greer. I'm sorry. Okay. I was thinking um, that's information that Faith could have used as a feminist and an advocate for feminism. Her knowledge of her friend's abortion could have given her a lot of power in the um, in that she could have used that power to change to make to really throw light onto. Um, but she, but, and, and that, that's interesting, you know, her betrayal of Greer was a, was a private betrayal. Mm -hmm. I mean, it was, you know, um, as opposed to, um, turning against this friend. But, you know, she, Faith called Anne, didn't she? And tried to invite her to some of the summits. Yes. Tried to interview her and she over and over again said, no, Mm -hmm. I'm not, I'm not going to do it. Um, so I wonder what would have happened if they had actually met face to face. I don't think faith would have done it in an open forum in a summit, but she might've done it personally. Um, that would have been interesting to hear that conversation. She saw her suffering, you know? Oh, I, that's where we got conflated. I, cause I was talking about the traumas and Greer's trauma at the, with the groping at the mm-hmm. frat party. And then this trauma that this girl undergoes with abortion. But it's, I guess what the point I was trying to make was that, um, I mean, in this, in this feminist novel, so many of the, um, so much of the conflict comes from, um, women's sexuality yeah. and, um, I mean, the choices that are made for them or not mm-hmm. for them or that, you know, um, or that, or that they make themselves. So mm-hmm. I don't know. I think that matters. I think it matters that, you know, what happened to Greer motivates her. And then this, this woman who makes a very different choice. And then even the relationship between Faith and. And. Nope. The guy with all the money. Thank you. Emmett Emmett Schrader. Um, You know, that starts with this kind of whatever sex, this just a night of really good sex. Um, But, but, you know turns turns into an, an actually an important connection for right. faith later on at some point there was there's a line where i can't remember if it's him thinking or her or faith thinking and it says something like she gave him a great night and he gave her a foundation yes <laughs> something like that yeah, yeah. um because so. they never were they never had sex again mm-hmm. they never were in a relationship in that type of relationship again he wanted to mm-hmm. yeah but his wife <laughs> um, straight up called her 
stay mm-hmm. away from him. And then gave him a bunch of money to appease him. It was like, okay, you're bored. Here's some of my trust fund. Yeah. Go have mm-hmm. fun. That's just, an interesting twist. Just don't fall in love with anybody. Yes. That's so a, really all that money came from a woman. That I hadn't thought about that oh, before. Oh, yeah. That's cool. And then the other interesting twist with that relationship is in the end, she fell in love with her contractor. And of all the times she put up with him and his affairs and just said, you just don't fall in love with any of them as long as they're not. Didn't she say at one point as long as they're not good looking or something like that? Um, and then she fell in love with the contractor and was like, Peace. I'm out. <laughs> I'm done. She asked too, is she smarter than me? Yeah. And and he said, Yeah, she's smarter than you. Mm-hmm. And so that's such a that is that is such a real mm-hmm. that that I mean, men do that too, but that, that competition yeah. is what drives so much, I think, of what's going on in this book. And that that gets to the heart of the Greer Z betrayal conflict. Yeah. yeah. So I really like I can so see Z and Greer sitting in a like I don't know auditorium chapel kind of yeah. thing at a college they're hearing this speaker and they both get up to speak and they have that moment like who who'd she point at did yeah. she point at you did she point at me and Z lets her go yeah. and then I don't know there's just um I, th- I thought I thought that was really good writing the way she built that throughout to get to that point of conflict later that she let it build yeah. that way and um because you would think it'd be z because z's the one that has even in high school like led protests she was the one who organized marches she was like the activist activist she had her voice mm-hmm. she had found it early early on for the most part and then it was greer was the one who who, who, who got to speak and that set her on this path that you would think would have been Z's path because Z already knew who Faith Frank was and loved her and Greer didn't know anything about her. There's a, you know, in a, what would have happened if Z had been the one to show, to end up working at the foundation? I think she would have earlier, but I don't know. (gasps) We're gonna have to put an expletive on (laughs) Sorry. I think, um, I think she would have recognized some of the hypocrisy in the organization much earlier. So in the interview that I listened to, um, on NP- it was an NPR interview with uh, Meg Woolitzer. They, of course, asked her who her mentor was. Did she have a woman in her life that was like this? And she said it was Nora Ephron. What? Yeah. The singer? No. No, no. the author. Author. Who? Um, Not Nora Jones. <laughs> That's so different. That is so different. That's why I was like, what? (laughs) I know who Nora Ephron is. Apparently, um, Meg Willitzer wrote a book called This Is Your Life, and Nora Ephron and her sister adapted it, and then it was the first movie Nora Ephron directed. And then they they stayed friends after that, and um, she continued to offer her guidance or whatever. I just thought that was interesting. Very. Okay, so. Long pause. <laughs> so, I have been curious what you guys thought about the t-shirts. So, one of the ways that Z and Greer um, strike out against the serial groper mm-hmm. is to put his image on t-shirts and parade around school with the knowledge, you know, that he's... Does, did, what did it say? I don't remember what the T-shirt said. I don't remember either. But basically, calling him out as a um, 
more than a misogynist, a predator. Yeah. A predator. Yes, and he goes through the the judicial the judicial system on campus, which a- I think she totally is. I mean, making commentary on. I mean, that's been a big thing on college campuses re- re- recently. It's how a lot of those like swept under the table in. Like, there's a big to-do about that, um, politically, actually, with the Department of Education. So I thought that was an interesting, real look at what happens. That this guy, many women came forward and said, this dude is doing this. And they're like, ow, we'll let him stay here. What does he has? What do you have to do, community service? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I don't know. Good for them. I would have bought one. Yeah. Like, this isn't, fa- this isn't fair. Like, this, I, he did this to me. <laughs> Everybody be aware. What do you think, Janine? I don't know. I don't know. Would I have bought one at the time? I don't know if I would have bought one at the time. I might not be as gutsy, but I can I can understand their rage and their frustration. Yeah. Probably I would have and and as I've gotten older maybe have um I probably would have been someone who would have made a t-shirt like that <laughs> had had a, fallen into similar situations. <laughs> um, and so maybe I'm reacting to my own, like, maybe those choices weren't always the best, <laughs> the loud, the loudest public choice. And, and also, um, clearly it's, they're, they're furious with him as a predator, but there's also a system in place yeah. that allows that. And so you can't fit the system on a t-shirt. And, and no. So, and she but, makes a lot of commentary about the system throughout the book. Yeah. That, I, so I just, I think that's, you know, like a cool little anecdote about feeling powerless. And, mm-hmm. um, you know, they, they tried to let the system um, serve justice and then, and then it didn't. And, um, and so it's this little way that they felt like they could, um, try to get the justice that the system didn't allow. I was, well, I was going to try to find in the book, but I don't think I can find it quickly enough. What, um, faith gives Greer advice about that. Do y'all remember? And it, and I, when I was reading it, I was shocked at the advice, but it was, um, you know, faith essentially suggests that she let it go. Mm-hmm. That's right. Um, she did. On the one hand, mm-hmm. you know, it's like the so there's commentary on the system, right? Like mm-hmm. you can keep screaming about that, but no, if that is nothing's going to be done. So you're wasting your mm-hmm. wasting right your energy. Um, instead, you should be. I can't remember exactly how she said it or what she said, but I remember when I read it initially, I was surprised at that advice. Maybe it was when they were in the bathroom. It was, yeah. Mm-hmm. And um, I was surprised at that advice a little bit. Um, and I've read a few articles like y'all about the book and different kinds of feminism. You know, this like generational feminism and um, and how you know okay so the gra- glass ceiling's been broken but where are we now and um, you know how much has it really cha- it has changed but it hasn't changed and, and you see that same kind of injustice in at the end with faith and the um, what's his name again Corey Thank, no oh, the, the uh, money M. guy <laughs> like with what goes on at his um, you know in his company oh right just that like so we've we've made progress but then have we really and of course you know I don't know I don't know some current political situations but would I was surprised like it, what faith did you find it 
I didn't. What? Um, I, mean, I don't think I found it either, but I mean, here's a couple of things that just statements that she made. She said, I see. So you're quiet because you're also furious. And it seems like it's very hard for you to keep asserting yourself, but you're doing it anyway because you want to find meaning. Meaning. Is that right? And then she says, I admire that and admire you. And later on, she said, I don't think she's speaking to Greer in this one, but I, I dog-eared this quote by Faith. It says, they're talking about women and um, and women speaking up. And she says, um, when a man speaks that way, people say he, he has authority. When a woman does, everyone resents her and thinks she's their mother or a nagging wife. Um, I think she makes, yeah. I don't know about commentary on that. Do you have any commentary on that? Only that that's, I, I find that to be a very tricky thing to do about any time you see an injustice where to rail against the injustice is either like screaming into a vacuum yeah. or um, a, appearing foolish or hysterical. Yeah. and Which is how women are often portrayed. Mm, this is what she said. I found it. She says, well, she, first she talks about her parents because she talks about, she tells Faith, Greer tells Faith how angry she is about this injustice, that, about where she's going to school and her parents. And she tells her to kind of get over that. And she helps her find some silver, silver lining with like, well, at least you're not in debt, mm-hmm. you know, kind of thing. And then she talks about this, um, this, um, she, um, she tells her about her experience with this predator at this party and. Faith says, it sounds like you already did what you could. Made your point. You made your point. If you seem to be hounding this person, then sympathy will redound to him. It's too much of a risk to take. And then she says, what about the other women? Do they want it revisited? And, um, and, and Gris says, two of them don't. And she says, well, don't they get a say as well there's a whole world out there lots to see lots to be angry about and cry about and do something about well beyond the bounds of this campus so she says go have a look and channel your anger mm-hmm. to something bigger yeah mm-hmm. which is at the time I didn't like the advice but then I think I've, by the end of the book I was like oh okay mm-hmm. right she would have been just screaming into a vacuum yeah and and I like that that wording like you've you've made your point you know that and that's maybe that's a a good lesson to and it's not keep. right and it's not fair that he gets to walk around this campus but you've made your point and if you yeah yeah but then on the other hand if you apply that theory to like feminism in general mm-hmm. um <laughs> right yeah like. You made your point. And so what right at, at, what right is taken away? What at what risk, you know? So I guess the risk is that he stays on campus and his behavior continues, but theoretically he has been reprimanded in some ways, so mm-hmm. per- perhaps his behavior could change. But if you're talking about some kind of reproductive rights or something like that and you're you decide like oh you've made your point you can't I mean if you stop there what happens that's an interesting I think that's an interesting mm-hmm. um, place I don't think the book answers that one of what it's exploring that line 
mm-hmm. you know? Yeah. I wonder what Faith, what her advice would be for that. So, well, it's like her, what'd she say in the end when the, um, the great, um, betrayal happens with this, um, mission that they run, you mm-hmm. know, her consolation as well. They did, they did get some women out, mm-hmm. yeah. even though they're, the mentoring isn't happening. So, you know, the concession and, um, compromise and, you know, we can't do everything but we can do something mm-hmm. um, is is interesting. I mean, so at the end of the book, Trump's in office, right? Yeah. Which she calls him the great terribleness. Yeah. Something which is fantastic. <laughs> and, um, but the point is, yeah. right? Like we've made all this progress, but then, but then have we really like, mm-hmm. right? Like we've made a point. Mm-hmm. We have, but um, you know, is, is there really, how much change have you know? Yeah, I really mean, been affected. And so, because a because someone who is an admitted groper can yeah. become president, become president, right? So should we be quiet so, about that? So is making a point enough? Mm-hmm. I mean, I don't know that. That's interesting. So on the flip side of that is the character of Corey, who I just I liked him all the way through. I thought he was a great character. And um, what y'all think of his game? So he, he loses his brother in the book. His mother accidentally runs over his brother in her car, which, and the father abandons them. He can't, he can't manage. And so he leaves the country and um, it's, it's just so heartbreaking. Like that scene in the book was so heartbreaking. And one of the ways that Corey finds his, his way out of his grief is in the creation of a game, a video game in which called Soul Finder, yeah. in which you're trying to to find someone you've lost. I just, and I thought that was interesting. What y'all think of that? I don't know if I would play that game. Yeah, I don't know. I thought about you when I was reading I that well, part. I thought about both of y'all, and um, you know, wondered it. It was very. Um, I think, I don't know, I guess I should only speak about myself. I remember having those exact same thoughts and feelings like maybe she's just somewhere else, (laughs) you know, like, that's just so, that was so real and beautiful in its realness and like that, the coming to accept like never you know, like this person's spirit is alive, but you, you're never going to see this person's face again. And then you're like, but where'd they go? (laughs) And like, maybe I can just, if I just look hard enough in enough places, maybe there's no such thing as heaven. Maybe everyone just goes to an Island in the ocean, (laughs) you know, like those thoughts are real. I, at least I could relate to that a lot. Mm -hmm. Um, I did. I thought about both of y'all when I was, reading that like it it was great for him to do like that was, as you said that was his way out of, out of his grief which um, was much better than the other routes he God, considered which he was tried heroin i thought he was gonna become a heroin addict yeah. that was so hard so i'd rather him create a video game that not meant that wasn't popular and not a lot of people played but that it scene helped him. in the bedroom mm-hmm. and i think that i think there was 
I think that again feels very real that there's yeah. this person stuck in a horrible situation and has to make these choices and who knows why he is able to make the these choices instead of choices that would take him further in, into a dark place but um so much of what I think is likable about about him and and I wasn't really set up for this at the beginning because at the beginning he just seemed like you know a good guy nice boyfriend to Greer going to school doing his thing but um there's I really like Greer has left her job and she's back at home and she's driving around with her mom one day and they're um yes and her you know she and her mom have this complex relationship because her mom had left her alone so much of her childhood which Greer resented but her mom says at some point during this car ride like well I felt that's what you needed yeah um which we could talk for hours just about that but um she's in the basement getting high with her dad (laughs) right um but then on the flip of that uh there's there's this whole sense of Greer as like she's she went to college she goes to the foundation she does all the work but she never really has beyond um, – she doesn't seem to have an on-the-ground experience with fighting for feminism. You know, yeah. the, the whole foundation, Losi, is is so much considered, like, um, privileged feminism yeah. and white woman feminism. So she – so her, and she knows that. But as compared to Z, who has – you know, she's in the trenches doing the work um, and has this – what feels like a much more authentic experience and so um Greer is so disappointed by Corey's life choices that he's come home and he's this brilliant mind and he's he's wasting all of his talent at home taking care of his mother and um her mother says um what are we supposed to do Greer shake our heads and say he's accomplished nothing and um she said no of course not um, but she burned at being called out now. It seems to me, said her mother, and this is really outside my sphere of knowledge, since I'm not the one who's been working at a feminist foundation. Mm-hmm. But here's this person who gave up his plans when his family fell apart. He moves back in with his mother and takes care of her. Oh, and he cleans his own house and the one she used to clean. I don't know, but I feel like Corey's kind of a big feminist, right? Yeah. I <laughs> love that. Yeah. Brought me great joy. Yeah. There's some kind of truth in that, yeah. right? I liked his arc, too. Because I, I don't know if I would have said that to, about him in the beginning. I feel like Greer kind of helped him in his feminism, too. I'm not, you know, not going to give her all the credit for that, but I feel like she pushed him a little bit. Because remember how they first came to be? They, he was with a bunch of dudes, and they were raiding girls. Oh, right. Yeah. And Greer walked by, and, and they raided her low, and he's like, no. And it made her, it made him see her differently. Remember at one point he thought about telling her Mm -hmm. and then he was like, oh no, I can't tell her. Yeah, that was cool that he never told her. I can't tell her that. It was very cool. Mm -hmm. Um, That reminded me of, I wanted to, I'm sorry, you weren't finished. What what, what do they call themselves? Two rocket ships? Yeah. Mm -hmm. That's what her twin mom, rocket ships her parents would say mm-hmm. about them together dude look at those two rocket ships they were gonna go do great things <laughs> why all right so um all of the talk about boys and porn mm-hmm. yeah what do y'all think is that i mean is that just an attempt at authenticity 
Um, is there more to... She, she spent a lot of time. I honestly don't remember. Well, her originally came up the, you know, when Greer and Corey kept, when they first got together and they first started experimenting right he would speak to her because he'd been watching while they were making out the way that movies with porn stars it was his cousin it was the heroine cousin who introduced him to all this porn but he would speak to her the way that the porn stars spoke to each other and i think that's a very real i mean that's i think that's very authentic oh i do too i think um i mean especially online um but i think i feel like there's something here i I feel like there's something go ahead but i think i think there's something to it like i do i think it is real i think it's all very authentic it's something i stress about a lot my children i think i mean i feel like a lot of kids get their you know look at some stuff when they're little or whatever but I feel like it's connected to the feminist um, angle in the book, but I, I can, I'm not sure I can quite articulate how, but with the, the groping guy at college and these boys who are, you know, who are so into objectifying women and, and there's there. Yes. I think there is something going on. I think it's the, maybe the hardest part of the idea of feminism for me to wrap my brain around and, and this, this notion that as long as women are portrayed as objects, there can never truly be equality. Yeah. However, so much, what, what is fashion and, and where, where does the line between a fashion choice and a desire to, um, kind of, be objectified right but, you know so i think all of I that gets with those ideas very convoluted yeah. and confusing uh-huh. and um it, it's and it i think that it's very hard to reconcile and it's tricky because in the book greer enjoys sex with yeah. Corey mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and talks about it you know and um faith enjoys her sexual encounter with emmett Emmett, and then she's um, even got a man that she brings in once a month and, and has sex with. Remember that? Mm-hmm. That guy from was he from Texas? No, I, think. I forgot. He that. was single and wealthy, and he would she would call him up and he would come visit, and they would. Um, so it's tricky, right? Um, as a woman to be open about enjoying sex, mm-hmm. um, and um, and then not to. I don't know, in a, in a society that so objectifies women and sex. Um, we, we talked about this with another book that we read with the, you know, the whole, the labeling, either the virgin or the whore right, kind, of, right. kind of idea. S- something about, I don't know, there's something mm-hmm. to that. It, it, it comes here. up a little bit, and this is, this is dangerous territory for me to talk about as I know we're ending and there's not a lot of time to dig deep, but where Faith is getting her hair done. Greer needs to come tell her the super important yeah. thing. So she says, come along to the salon with me while I completely go spend a ton of money to make myself look a certain way. And, I, and I, I'm long over feeling guilty about doing this. Yeah. You know, like sh- there's a lot of justification for mm-hmm. her. To, and, and she does spend a long time. 
she's there for hours explaining like, and yeah and there's there's this whole notion of um like that's her choice absolutely do what you want to do however are you're she's doing it obviously because of how she wants to be perceived and can are there attractive you know feminist advocates can that actually be and stuff like that and in Gloria Steinem's autobiography that came out a couple of years ago, she kind of talks about that, how people um, perceived her differently than some other feminists based on how she looked. How she that looked. She, it gave her more access. Mm-hmm. I mean, can, you hear that all the time about, I mean, look at when Hillary, Hillary ran, they constantly talked about how she looked. Mm-hmm. That I would imagine somebody like Faith, if she were, were real, would feel that pressure. It's like, I'm done apologizing for it. I've got to look this way. If I'm going to, I don't know, a, mm-hmm. I don't know if it's like a credibility thing or a distractor or, you know, I, I don't know. It's part of the misogynist it wheel. Is. It's part of that structure. It really is. Where women um, are constantly being objectified and talked about the way they look, where men are not. Right. Important. It's the same men. reason she needs his money. I mean, it's, um, it's a quagmire. It's a dark, it's a black hole. It's a. And I think that's the point, one of one of the messages of the book. Um, Dead gummit. What are we going to do? <laughs> find someone to mentor. <laughs> I've made my point. I'm done. You're done. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Let's y'all. Let's make t-shirts. Oh, did you guys know Nicole Kidman's going to play Faith in the movie? There's going to be a movie? I didn't know this she, was going to be a movie. She oh, Nicole Kidman bought the rights. And she's too... She's too what? Faith is like 70 at the end of the book. Well, well they can put some wrinkles on. Yeah, I guess they can. You, you saw her in uh, the hours, didn't you? She's okay. pretty old. Who comes to what? That's a really interesting I pictured more choice. of like a Jane Fonda. That's, in my mind, I pictured her more like that, especially if she was older. Mm-hmm. That's what I had in my mind. So Nicole Kidman, I'm picturing Nicole Kidman of Big Little Lies, not mm-hmm. as an well, that, year old that will... That is an interesting choice. I wonder who would play Greer. Mm. I was wondering, who is it in Big Little Lies who plays the younger, what's her name? Brie Larson? Um, Shalene. Oh, yeah. Lee. Right? Isn't that her name? Shalene. Sometimes I get her confused with Shannon. Another W who was on Westworld. Oh. But Shalene Woodley, I think is her name. I wondered if they would, like, kind of. Oh, yeah continue that keep it in the family yeah all right y'all well that's it that's it female persuasion it's a good it's a good read it is a good read do you guys want to briefly talk about what else you've been doing reading tv movies when we leave here guess what y'all we're going to see oceans eight literally it is 12 58 we need to start at 120 (laughs) (laughs) i will say i've been bogged down by politics i was in a really dark spot last week and so i turned off twitter and I picked up Harry Potter, and I'm reading. I read the first one, and I'm almost done with the second one. So that's what I've been doing. I'm proud of you. Thank you. I've been on Twitter since Saturday, and today is Friday. That's good. That's important. Mm-hmm. I read House on Mango Street. Oh, what you think? It's lovely. It's lovely. I um, I enjoyed it very much. And I a uh, little bio of her of the author at the end. Um, the last sentence of it cracked me up. It said, uh. She is nobody's wife and nobody's mother. <laughs> I thought that was That's interesting. Funny. 
Caroline? Very cool. I am right now, I'm reading Grisham's The Rooster Bar. Do you like it? Because uh, last summer we read Grisham's Calico Camino Island, and we both, all of us, like that book. Yeah. I don't know. I'm about halfway finished right now, so we'll see. Or no, I'm a little over halfway. I, I don't, I really have no idea where it's going. They've just, um, they just missed the filing deadline on that one big case. That's where I am in the book, mm-hmm. where they... They let the statute run out on the... I don't the, know anything about it. Anyway, I've been wanting to read it forever, but I didn't want to pay... I didn't want to buy it, and yeah. so I found found self-copy. So that, that was going to be my last book before I started reading school books. All right, so that's a good transition to our next book, which is going to be John Green's Turtles All the Way Down. That is what our school... I know what you're thinking. What, what, what are we thinking? Well, our, our listeners... Listeners, what are, are they thinking, thinking? John Green. Turtles? Down? John Green? Why are they reading a John Green book? Listen. John Green's amazing. No? Well, so, yes. Yes. Um. <laughs> Never mind. Cut that out. Where were you headed? Where were you headed with that? No, don't cut it out. I was just, I was, I feel like some people would be like, John Green? Like, isn't that a tween? Isn't he a tween writer? What are they doing with that? Because um, we're tweens. We, <laughs> in our 40s. But um, it's, it's a book that, as I interrupted Holly, she was about to say that our uh, 10th, 11th, and 12th grade students are reading for summer reading and is going to lead to some interesting discussion about mental health. Yeah. So we're going to read that and we'll talk about it in a couple weeks. And it's a quick read, y'all. Mm-hmm. So just go ahead and start right now. John Green, Turtles. All right, y'all, have a good couple of weeks. We will see you guys on the other side. (laughs) Bye.